Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2017. We start by speaking with Monsignor Peter Vaghi about finding God in the upper room. And then we reconnect with singer-songwriter Jesse Manabusen, who partnered again with longtime collaborator Ken Canedo on a new album, Fish With Me. In our second half hour, producer David Nalieri tells us about the Knights of Columbus Mercy Stories series, and his colleague Samantha Wallace gives us some social media tips. And then we meet Irish teenage singer Cahal Gavin. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook and also on Twitter. We now begin with Finding God in the Upper Room. I'm sure that most of you have heard of the upper room or the expression, the upper room. It's often this room referred to as the cenacle. This is the room where all four Gospels tell us that Jesus ate the Last Supper with his apostles. Tradition also says that this was the room where the disciples probably stayed when they were in Jerusalem. So this is where they hid during the arrest and crucifixion. This is where they stayed uh, where Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection, where Thomas doubted and believed, and where they waited for and received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Those are all key moments in the story of our church, and they all took place in that same room, the upper room. There is now a book that captures the various ways in which we continue to meet the risen Lord, all in that spirit, the spirit of the upper room. And to tell us more, I am now joined by the author of Meeting God in the Upper Room, Monsignor Peter Vaghi. Monsignor, welcome to the program. Deacon, thanks so much for having me on, and listeners, thanks for listening. That's great. So what inspired you to write this book? How did you make that connection? Well, I led a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. We visited the Upper Room, the Cenacle, as you mentioned, yep. and that, that spurred it on. But what really got me was I was doing my retreat um, before Lent, and my spiritual director said, I want you to spend a couple weeks in the Upper Room with the farewell discourse of Jesus, John 14 to 17. Right. And when I, that was really what convicted me. And then it came to me that, that all, there are three key moments historically, but they continue today, whenever we seek God and His Church, as the disciples did then. As you mentioned, the first is the Last Supper, and everything that right. took place at the Last Supper. The second is the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus on mm -hmm. Easter Sunday night, and third, then, is the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Right. So those, uh, and I think everybody would agree, those are pretty important moments. Now, you also make the connection that those are, there's three, maybe not three, not those three moments, but there are four sacraments that are related to the upper room. Certainly the Eucharist, the and, Eucharist. and Holy Orders yes. um, uh, uh, take place uh, in penance. And then right. the confirmation, it has its origin in the imposition of hands, but in a certain way it perpetuates the grace of Pentecost that took place in the upper room. Right, right. So can you tell us a little, go back, because this is a moment that I think most people are not familiar, but that, that long uh, discourse in the Gospel of John, that's sometimes referred to as Jesus' Eucharistic prayer or his, his, his farewell prayer or that, that long. Tell us how significant that is, because... Oh, I think it's, ve it's very significant. Thanks for asking that. It, it, it's, it's, I've, I've preached about it, saying it's the, the longest farewell address yes. we, we know in history. It, it showed it was the night uh, before Jesus died, and it was 
uh, at the time of the of the Last Supper, and mm-hmm. he was basically giving them some some last minute guidance. But the point I always pick on is in John seventeen, we listen and eavesdrop on the prayer life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He was praying to his Father. He was praying for for those who were there. He was praying importantly for those who, because of their word, would come to him. So in a certain sense, he was praying for us, you and me today, right. at the Last Supper, moments before he was going off to be crucified. Right. Now, do you see, maybe this is not a fair question, but is there a significance that that specific address or that, that prayer takes place in that room? Well, I think in a way it kind of um, it confirms everything that he had been doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he called them his friends. It was there that he, he told them to, to, to do this in memory of me, right. uh, with, the, with Holy Orders, with the Eucharist. Um, it's, it's there where he washed the feet of the disciples. And right. A lot about, um, uh, that I've called that the icon of Catholic social teaching. It's, yes. Uh, it's uh, putting our social life, social teaching, to work. Mm-hmm. And that was also linked into the part of the farewell address, which was to, to love one another as I've loved you. Right. Now, some people might be listening and they might think, um, well, that's all, it's great, it's interesting, it's, it's history, it's part of my faith, but what does it really have to do with my life today? That's the key question and point of the book. And when we experience the presence of God or when we experience Him or He seeks us out and we respond, we are having upper moon, upper room experiences in the same way the disciples did then. Certainly in the sacraments we've just mentioned, whenever we serve, uh, washing of feet or any service project, servant leadership we experience today, the grace of the upper room. In our prayer lives, we, we do the profession of faith, St. Thomas on Easter Sunday night, right. my Lord and my God. When we yes. make our creed profession on Sunday, for example, that is a way of the continuing graces that come from that room, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that come to us, the um, when we do, it was in the presence of Mary that the Holy Spirit came. Our Marian prayer, our devotion to Mary, is also a current, present-day uh, experience of what they experienced in the upper room. Right. And finally, the, the moving forth with bold joy to preach the uh, after Pentecost. That's Pope Francis tells us we're to be uh, disciples. Um, to uh, missionary disciples, and that that's an expression of that as well. Mm-hmm. These are all these different areas that take place in our current spiritual journey. They are akin to upper room experiences. Do you think that that expression, and I, I guess you've, I don't know, I don't know if you're, if, if I can credit you for the, this this expression that that we have an upper room experience. Um, it, it's similar or the same as what is often referred to as a mountaintop experience. I think it's different. Okay. I think a mountaintop would be more focused on prayer, if I understand it. Okay. Uh, but this this is a little richer because the upper room is really an icon, is it not, of the living church today? Okay. I have one great quote I would like to share if we have time. Yes. It's from Pope Francis when he went and he visited the upper room in May of 2014, mm-hmm. and he said in his homily in that uh, that day in the upper room, how much love and goodness have flowed from the upper room? How much charity has gone forth from here, like a river from its source? beginning as a stream and then expanding and becoming a great torrent. All the saints drew from this source, and hence the great river of the Church's holiness continues to flow from the heart of Christ, from the Eucharist, and from the Holy Spirit. Right. That's a beautiful way of summarizing, and, and certainly in our, our Holy Father's wonderful way, mm-hmm. what is happening today in, in our own life. 
right. because of the historical activity in that room. Mm-hmm. Now the subtitle, and, and we've been talking about these the, the moments. Uh, there, there are, we, you mentioned we've mentioned more than three, but in the book you specifically focus on the three moments, and you say that these are three moments that will change, will change my life. So how how will these three moments? Well, the last supper. The last supper. Yeah, for sure. That's one, and that would be the Eucharist. Um, okay. That would be the, as a priest, of course. You mm-hmm. I mean the the sacrament of holy orders. Uh, it would would also be um, uh, the washing of the feet. Whenever we mm-hmm. whenever we serve sure. others in charity, that perdures and continues what happened historically that night. Um, then the second would be the uh, post resurrection appearances. That's in John twenty. That is the uh, Easter Sunday night, when, when he came and he breathed on them and the sacrament of penance was instituted, so mm-hmm. when we receive the sacrament, we, we, the graces that took place from that, that night continue. Also, the, the emerging faith of Thomas, when he said, My Lord and my God, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, that's our creed when we profess and live and witness the, uh, the, the faith. And then the third one would be the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost. The coming of the Spirit comes to us at confirmation, at baptism, when we pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of Mary, and Mary's right. presence there is an important uh, part of our, our spiritual journey as well, because of the the Marian prayer that is a part of our lives. Yeah, of course, and I and I I really appreciate that you always remind us that Mary Mary was there. Sometimes people forget that. Um, maybe just in closing, how I mean, it's a it's a great book. It's an interesting read. It's it's good spiritual reading. Do you think that this is a book that people can pray with? Is that oh what, yes, is that your in fact, hope? there have been people who have um, who have critiqued the book. Uh, and they say that it's, and particularly during this time before before Easter, it's a great book. Um, and people tell me this it's helping them in their Lenten journey and their journey right. toward Easter and Pentecost. Right. But there are references in it, there are citations in it that one can go back to Scripture, for example, and and read the full text. Mm-hmm. It's not a long book; it's a short book. But it hopefully would be a companion for for these days in preparation for Easter as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I agree with that. And I started the program by saying that this would be a great book to read during Lent, and and I did exactly that. I kept reading the book and going back to Scripture and, and sort of comparing, and saying I don't remember that, and checking. So thank you very much for writing it. Thank you for sharing a little bit of uh, what you do and 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 your thoughts uh, with us today. Deacon, thank you so much, and thanks to all of you up there at Salt and Light in Canada, Monsignor. Peter Voggy is the pastor of the Church of the Little Flower in Bethesda, Maryland, in the Archdiocese of Washington. He is the author of several books and articles. His latest, Meeting God in the Upper Room, Three Moments to Change Your Life, is published by Franciscan Media. You can purchase the book and read a sample of the book at shop.franciscanmedia.org. And also, of course, you can purchase it through Amazon, Amazon amazon.com or amazon.ca. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Jesse Manabusen, with God So Loved from his new album with Ken Canedo, Fish With Me.
Jesse Manabusan with God So Loved from his new album with Ken Canedo, Fish With Me. The last time Jesse Manabusan was on the Salt and Light Hour was in May 2010 after his album Life You're Living came out. Ken Canedo was last on our program in October 2014 after his book The Folk Mass Revolution came out. Now Jesse and Ken have collaborated many times before. In fact, one of their collaborations is a song called Fish With Me. So it's not surprising that they're back at it again and that at this time the whole album is titled Fish With Me. And joining me now to tell us more all the way from Portland, Oregon is Jesse Manabusen. Jesse, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thanks, Pedro. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to hear your voice again. So um, I'm just going to jump right in because a lot of the songs in the album have scriptural themes. 
you know, fish with me, be with my Lord, God so love, where shall we go? You know, those are things that either Jesus said or somebody said to Jesus. So would you say that that is the theme of this new album? Well, it, you know, when Ken and I started working on it, we have two uh, specific skill sets. Ken is remarkable at pulling scripture okay, and writing verses and choruses based on scripture. And, and I can do the same, but that's not really my super skill set. Mine is to take what Ken has done and then add a verse that might be from our experience. So it would be scripture speaking to us and then a verse um, from uh, that would be in our experience. So it's really a collaboration. Ken and I really loved working together in that in that way. Right, but did you want to like write specific songs that were scripturally based, or you just figured that you would you, that that ended up being the case because that's what Ken does really well? I think so. I think it was that. I mean, there's there you know some of the songs that I had written. Uh, there are two songs that I wrote that were based on life experience but there were uh-huh. you could tell where the scripture comes in on the choruses so yeah of course um yeah did you um i'm curious about the collaboration i know you and ken have worked a lot before in the past ken's a talented composer as well a musician you're also a musician composer singer um how does that work do you guys sit together in a room and like hit each other over the head with a guitar or do you like do it <laughs> remote because you don't live together i mean you're in a different state no but you know what's funny pedro is we don't sit in the same room, even for uh, Love Never Fails, which was 20 years right. old. Yeah, wow. You know, we both lived maybe 10 minutes apart, him in Oakland, me in Alameda. Uh-huh. And then we, and then we did the, the um, uh, Love Never Fails when he moved to Portland and I moved to Texas. Right. So we have a really unique writing style. Uh, it's a perfect collaboration because we use the technology and... Well, you know, Ken will often write something and then go here and pass it on to me, and then I'll pass it back to him. So it's it's really a unique and fun way to collaborate. Right. And do you do you both write music as well as lyrics, or does Ken do more of the music and you do more lyrics? It's both. Yeah. Both and. Yeah. Ken is the Ken is uh completely has the notation and the 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 fundamentals of music. I'm. I'm what I like to refer to as a hack. I learned to play by ear. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm a Catholic hack. Right. That's what we. That's what we all need. Ken Canedo. <laughs> um, um, would you say that the songs of the album are intended mainly for liturgical use? Um, n- prime. There's a large number of songs that are that are definitely intended for liturgy. Um, there might be some folks that might say. That might argue that point, but we did write specifically for songs to be used uh, for liturgy. Right. And so there's a songbook, like I can get the sheet music somewhere. Yeah, you can get the songbook, the physical songbook or CD. You can download the octavo or the sound or the songbook and and you can uh, get it on iTunes as well. Oh, good. The the book you can get on iTunes, you mean? Or no? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Not the book, no. but the... the um, <laughs> The music. Okay, good. I was going to say, wow, that's a new thing in iTunes. You can get books. Um, um, why did you go with, I mean, you wrote Fish With Me, uh, I don't know how long ago, the actual song with Ken. Yeah, it's over 20 years old. So that's, yeah, that was. So why was Fish With Me a good title for the whole album, this album? Why Fish With Me for the good title? Well, hey, listen, uh, Ken just walked into the room. What? 
Ken just Ken Canedo is here. Ken, you Ken want to is in the right. Ken is in We're the doing building. A video interview. Ken, okay, I'm pass, are you I'm serious? Pass Ken over to you, Pedro. Uh, okay, Ken Canedo, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Pedro. Ken. Yeah. I mean, I knew Jesse was in Portland, so um, why? I was just asking Jesse why? Why is "Fish with Me" a good title for the whole album? Like, why did you want to resuscitate that old song? Well, you know, um, I wrote "Fish with Me" for my youth group when I lived in California. It was the late 1990s in Moraga, California. Yeah, only had three chords, good rock beat, and song about discipleship. A song about being called, like the fishermen were called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we put it on Love Never Fails, a 2003 album, and surprise, surprise, it became one of the most popular songs every time yeah. we perform it, and especially Jesse performed it on his own. It just yes. had such a great reaction. So um, years went by, and we realized when we were in the Philippines for Pope Francis's visit that we hadn't done anything for a while. Let's do a new album. Mm-hmm. So we thought, you know, Let's do Fish With Me, because we were performing it there at the papal events, uh-huh. and use that as a springboard for this album, because being called, uh, being and the discernment of our call with the Lord, going out in the ministry, that's the foundation of it all. Right. You know, that's where these songs came from. Right, yeah, I, and, I, and I see that with some of the titles, you know. Um, um, I mentioned them earlier, the whole, you know, um, Be With Me, Lord, or Lord, where shall, where shall we go kind of thing. Um, are, are kind of along those themes. Um, um, I, I mentioned earlier that I knew Jesse was in Portland. Of course, you're in Portland. I should have known that. Um, th- because you guys are doing a tour? What, what Are you doing a tour on the album? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, Jesse's here in Portland right now. We're doing this mini tour in the Northwest. We've got a couple of dates here in Portland, and we're going up to Washington State on Sunday to Fort Lewis Military Base. Okay. And we have several dates coming up this summer, too, around the country. So definitely uh, that's part of our plan, uh-huh. part of our ministry. Very cool. So you would be also, I guess, to promote the album, but to do other stuff. Oh, yeah. Love to come up to Canada someday. You should. I was just thinking I, the last, not the last time I saw Jesse or you, but I remember the last time probably that I saw you together was in Canada, in Peterborough, Ontario. I believe Jesse was doing a concert, and you were on. You were playing piano. You were playing keys for that concert. I'm pretty sure, if you remember that. I don't know. That was also a long time ago. <laughs> I'm thinking World Youth Day. <laughs> oh, that was a long time ago. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, um, uh, I know that you and you and I are going to be talking in the weeks to come about another album that you've been involved with that that whole Catholic Relief Services album so I know that you've been busy but I was going to ask Jesse if kind of what other things he's been working on so I don't know if you want to pass the phone back yeah, back yeah, to him put you back with him yeah let good to good to talk to you Ken good talking to you man God bless you yes. God bless your ministry yes, yes. Jesse. thank you Jesse Hey Pedro. So um, this album, obviously, you've you've just completed this album. You're doing a little touring with it. Uh, any new things that we should be knowing about that are coming down the pipes? Any new albums or tours that you're working on? Well, you know, we're Ken and I are always involved in things with other uh, other composers and whatnot. We're trying to get our social media act together. Get this, you know, <laughs> trying to get this yes. stuff out there to to a, a wider group of folks and take advantage of the good use of technology but yes you know um we've we've got i think we've got projects on the 
definitely on the side shelf and the back shelf and the front shelf for sure. Good, good. So you make sure you let us know so we can uh, benefit from the fruits of your labor, my friend. Absolutely. You know, we're, you know there's some really, uh, really uh, the, the things that are happening in the world, you know, in the United States where, mm. you know, there's some things that we could, you know, say on the AMBO and there are other things that we could say with music and yes. uh, with inspiration and whatnot. So, you know, the uh, missionary disciples work is never is never finished. Absolutely. And usually saying it with music is better. Um, so yeah. good to talk to you. Uh, we're going to leave it there. And, and so cool that that Ken showed up. <laughs> so uh, awesome. thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and good to talk to you both. Likewise. God bless, Pedro. Okay. That was singer-songwriter Jesse Manibusen and his collaborator and friend Ken Canedo. Their latest album um, is titled Fish With Me, published by Oregon Catholic Press. You can go get it at ocp.org, and you can also learn more about Jesse Manibusen at his website, jessemanibusen.com. Here now is Jesse Manibusen with Where Shall We Go from that new album with Ken Canedo, Fish With Me. shall we go? Whom shall we follow? You have the words of everlasting life. You are the Christ, the Holy One of God. Whom shall we follow, Lord, but you? Jesus said, I am the bread of life come to me and you will never hunger where shall we go whom shall we follow you have the words of everlasting life you are the Christ the Holy One of God Shall we follow, Lord, but you? Jesus said, I am the living bread Given for the life of the world Where shall we go? Whom shall we follow? You have the words of everlasting life. You are the Christ, the Holy One of God. Whom shall we follow, Lord, but you? Jesus said, those who live in me, I will raise them that was Jesse Manabusen and Ken Canedo with Where Shall We Go from their album Fish With Me. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, I don't remember when I first learned about Divine Mercy, but I remember praying the chaplet with my sister as teenagers. It is, a, it is a devotion that made sense to me. And I think that it's a devotion that makes sense to a lot of people. In fact, I am told that Divine Mercy is one of the fastest growing devotions in the church, especially among young Catholics. 
And this is why the Knights of Columbus has created a new video series titled Mercy Stories that shines a light on Catholics whose lives have been transformed by this devotion, by the devotion to the Divine Mercy. And it also connects their stories with the, with the life of St. Faustina and the message that Christ gave her. And to tell us more about this, I am now joined by the producer, David Nalieri, and joining him is Samantha Wallace, who is responsible for the Knights of Columbus social media relations. Welcome, you guys, to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks, Thanks so much, Pedro. Pedro. So, David, I'll start with you. Um, how did this idea to do these, these videos on mercy come about? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, born very much from our our desire to uh, continue the legacy of Pope John Paul II with our shrine in Washington, D.C. Right. And, of course, John Paul II played a huge role in promoting divine mercy and canonizing St. Faustina. Yeah. And then uh, we had Pope Francis call for the Year of Mercy and yeah. dedicate his papacy in such a special way to mercy. So we really feel that um, we were following in the footsteps of John Paul II and, and, and Pope Francis. And then with World Youth Day coming up, hey, what a great opportunity uh, to, to catechize young people about Divine Mercy as they go to Krakow, the home of St. Faustina, where Divine Mercy is born. Um, so right. all those factors came together, and so over the past year, we worked on a whole series of videos educating people about Divine Mercy, the devotion, and then highlighting some incredible stories of people today, Catholics, who live mercy in their own lives. And um, so we created a, a web video series, and then yeah. we're really trying to promote it mostly through social media. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, so Sam... Part of the the idea was that the videos are intended for online use. I mean, that's it's a social media campaign, correct? Correct. Yep. So the videos right now live uh, in our YouTube channel under the playlist hashtag Mercy Stories. Right. So when the videos first came out um, during the Year of Mercy, we actually first showcased these videos in the Mercy Center in Krakow, which yeah. the Knights of Columbus sponsored for English-speaking pilgrims. Yes. And they went over so well that we ended up, when we got back to the States, creating this YouTube playlist, and so far we've reached over a million people with the videos. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, David, can you can you tell us uh, maybe one of the stories that stands out the most for you? Like, what, when people see these Mercy stories, what kind of stories are we looking at? Yeah, so, well, for example, we traveled to Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, where this told the remarkable story of Jennifer Trapuzano. She yeah. was a, a young woman who had just gotten married uh, less than a year. She was nine months pregnant, and her husband goes out for a walk one morning um, and is shot and killed, held up and, and shot and killed by a young 16-year-old uh, boy. Um, and it was just about a couple weeks before Divine Mercy Sunday. And wow. she wound up forgiving um, the killer of her husband, and her daughter was born on Divine Mercy Sunday, and she wow. kind of used that as a as a way to teach about forgiveness and mercy. And so she shares very openly and poignantly her story. And that's just one of the mercy stories um, and one of the ones that I think has gained a lot of traction and really inspired a lot of people. Uh Uh, And I think many of us, we struggle in our own daily lives to forgive very minor offenses. And so that's an incredible, you know, lesson for all of us and uh, shows the power of God to help someone forgive. So that's just one of the yeah. many, many stories that that uh, are inspiring people. Okay, good. And and uh, so, Sam, why did you want this to be, I mean, you explain how you showed them. I mean, they, they worked at the Mercy Center. They We were showing them on the big screens there some, sometimes. Why, why did you want these videos to be promoted or for them to live on YouTube and be online? Like, what, is that because you wanted to reach more people or? Well, I think, you know, as David alluded to, mercy is something that not only has been so important to St. John Paul II and Pope Francis and his papacy, 
But it's just a devotion that I think all Catholics really are drawn to. You know, so often in our lives we feel like, you know, where is God? All of these terrible things are happening around the world. And to be able to come back and understand the message of Divine Mercy as it was given to St. Faustina is just, I think, an incredibly healing devotion. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and we saw the impact that these stories had in the Mercy Center, and I think it just kind of made sense for us to keep that going. Right, Um, right. And so far, we've done really well with it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, do you, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I'm a knight, so I'll say it right out, but I don't think most people think of the Knights of Columbus and they think social media. So right. <laughs> w- w- is this a new direction that the Knights of Columbus is taking or do you think it's important for the church to be in social media? Like what is the philosophy when it comes to using social media, I guess Sam, right. for the Knights of Columbus? Well, right. So I think actually if if Venerable Father McGivney, our, our amazing founder, were yes. alive today, I think he would be just as active on Twitter yeah. as most millennials. Yeah. You know, his um, his entire life really was about being with his flock mm-hmm. and, you know, meeting them where they were. And that's also something that's so important in the new evangelization, too. So I think it just makes sense for the Knights of Columbus, in continuing that vision and mission of Father McGivney, to make sure that we are on social media so that, you know, one, our Knights, can join us there and find inspiration, but also, you know, their families and other Catholics who Mm. might not be in the order can also see the good works that we're doing and and get some inspiration for their own faith journey. Yeah. Now, uh, I know that the World Youth Day experience, especially at the Mercy Center, was very much lived through social media. How did that go for the Knights of Columbus? Like, how did you... Yeah. I don't want to say how successful it was, because I'm not sure how you measure success, but how did that go? Sure. So I I think it was very successful, even if you just look at the sheer numbers. We had six million people that we reached on social media during that week alone from the Knights of Columbus social media channels. Our um, hashtag WYD Mercy Center hashtag on Twitter was trending, especially after the Night of Mercy, which was this incredible experience that, of course, you remember. Yes, with Matt Maher. You know, we had the Eucharistic procession and Bishop Bishop Barron Barron. spoke. Um, you know, it was just incredible. But I think even more so than the sheer numbers that we reached, we saw through um, through social media these one-on-one human connections happening. Right. So something that sticks out in my mind is we had people from the same diocese back home who had never met, but who are making plans via Twitter to meet at the Mercy Center. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's really what the power of social media is. Yeah. What would, you, why, what would you tell, Sam, a Catholic who is kind of weary about social media? Why should Catholics be on social media? Well, I would say that, you know, we've had three amazing popes who have spoken about social media and technology as a tool that isn't intrinsically bad, right? No tools are, and it's really the intention and how you use them mm-hmm. that can make them really powerful tools for sharing Christ's love. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, especially today, we hear all these stories about cyberbullying and other, you know, negative things happening online. I think it's really where Christians and Catholics need to be in order to share that authentic joy of Christ. 
you know, and give people something to see that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, David, you, I mean, you obviously are a filmmaker. You produce all, if most, if not all the videos for the Knights of Columbus. Do you find, how do you find social media? I mean, clearly it's important for you to help promote the work that you do. Is it more than that? Yeah, no, I think it really is, Pedro. And I think I think one of the great untold stories of the Knights of Columbus in the past couple of years has been a really explosive growth in our social media uh, mm-hmm. uh, department and, and what we're doing online. I think uh, one of the things the Knights of Columbus are very proud about is you go to you drive into any small town in the United States or in Canada, and you oftentimes see a sign of the Knights of Columbus like we're part of the community, yes. we're ingrained in the community. And right now, there's a growing online community. That's where people are meeting. That's where people are engaging. They're sharing right. their ideas. They're getting inspired. And a lot of, the, especially the millennial generation, they're doing it online. Uh-huh. So we want to be part of that conversation and be part of that engagement. And the other thing we're seeing is this kind of technological revolution where more and more people are getting their video content online. They're streaming right. rather than watching linear television. Yes. So we're seeing these two huge trends emerging. And um, and Sam and her teammate Gwen have done a great job in really mm-hmm. growing our social media platforms. We're seeing really, really high levels of engagement. Yeah. And we wanted to create videos, produce videos that can inspire people, share about the mission of the Knights of Columbus, but then also more broadly about the faith. So we're right. trying to make video content um, that is about the Knights, that can serve our members, um, but also that is about faith formation, that is inspirational in nature. Because um, we want to be a social media platform that is for Knights, but also for all Catholics, for all people who want to learn more about the faith. And um, and so I think this is the wave of the future. And I know right. I know it's some prop, I know you're you're aware of that page when yeah, you do a no, great job a, with your online yeah, work too. But it's absolutely, uh, this is the future and where we yeah. need to be. So maybe just quickly in closing, um, anything new coming down the pipes? So you're working on a new documentary. Is there a new social media campaign coming up, Sam, David, anybody, anybody? <laughs> What's um, new for well, the Knights of Columbus? Something something that we're really excited about, and David kind of spoke to this uh, just minutes before, is that, you know, because we want to be a place where people can deepen their faith in between, you know, every Sunday at Mass, we're really looking to increase our general, you know, Catholic interest faith formation um, content, and especially with video. So hopefully in the next few months, you'll be seeing a new Faith Formation video series on YouTube and, of course, on Facebook. Um, And that will really answer questions that all Catholics have, like, how do I go to confession and make a good confession? You know, where did the rosary come from? Things like that. And I think that will really engage, you know, the the new generation of Catholics and, and Knights. Okay, sounds good. We're going to have to leave it there. Um, so, but I'm really excited about that formation, faith formation series. Thank you so much for what you do. And, and these videos are, are, are ex- extraordinary, David. Thanks. Thank you for putting them together. It's, it's really good. So it's a pleasure oh, to promote Oh, thank you, Pedro. Yeah, thanks for sure. your time for this interview. Really, both of us really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Pedro. Sam Wallace is the social media specialist at the Knights of Columbus. And David Nalieri is the producer of... Uh, the Knights of Columbus video series Mercy Stories. You can watch all the videos on YouTube. Just search for hashtag Mercy Stories. And you can also, of course, follow the Knights of Columbus on social media. They're on Facebook, Knights of Columbus, and also on Twitter at KFC. I'm sure they're on Instagram and others. But I didn't ask what that address was, so find them on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Cahal Gavin, with I Watch the Sunrise by John Glynn from his album Voice of an Angel.
That was Cahal Gavin with I Watch the Sunrise from his album Voice of an Angel. Cahal Gavin is a teenager from County Mayo, Ireland. Cahal sprung to fame after he released the album that we've been listening to, Voice of an Angel, in October of 2015. Now, Cahal is now 14 years old and has had many experiences that others only dream of. He has appeared on several TV and radio shows and has performed extensively throughout Ireland. And now, here he is with me on the Salt and Light Hour on the phone from his home in Swinford, County Mayo, Ireland. Cahal, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, Father Pedro, Deacon Pedro, how are you? I am a father. I'm a father of two boys, but uh, <laughs> but that's okay. You can call me Deacon. Um, so tell me a little bit. I'm curious, uh, of course, about a lot of things, but I'm curious about the album. How did you end up uh, wanting to record an album? Yes, well, it all started back really in um, February of 2015 when my uh, granduncle, Father Vincent Kelly, passed away from Alzheimer's. And... Um, my granny really wanted to record the CD, like put a few songs on the CD that we could remember the songs I used to sing to Father Vincent that used to calm him down. Right, so you, um, used, you sorry, you used to sing to your great uncle, Father Vincent. Yes, because we figured out um, singing really relaxed him and brought him back to his usual self. Ah. And um, we just really, he really enjoyed and I sang to him. And this is the reason why my granny wanted to uh, remember the songs I sang to him by putting them on a CD. Right, and, and, and in case anybody missed it, because you said he had Alzheimer's? Yes, he had Alzheimer's. And was he was he living at home or was he living in a, in a um, home? He was living with my granny and my auntie and oh, um, for the last four years of his life. Right. So really on a day-to-day basis, I got to meet him. And this is where I used to sing to him in her house. Right, so so a very special meaning for for you for this album. So were the songs you picked the songs because these were the songs that you used to sing to him. Yeah, every song had a meaning and every song had a purpose that I picked. So mm-hmm. it was really sentimental. The reason why we made the CD and it was it was just such a wonderful experience making it. Right. Tell me a little bit more about about your uncle, Father Vincent Kelly. Well, Father Vincent Kelly uh, was a priest for many many years in Dublin and in Mayo and um, in the later of his years he came back to Mayo and he lived at my granny and my auntie in their house Right. and they cared for him on a day-to-day basis Right. and um, they really, really, really enjoyed looking after him and he was such a nice person he was just so lovely and I really, really enjoyed getting to know him and still knowing him of course, what a privilege that you were able to see him and be part of of his of of his life, and of course, in the last days. Now, did you yes, ever yes. think? Because you recorded the CD, and then you you decided that the proceeds would go to support the Foxford Alzheimer's Daycare Center. Um, yes. Did you ever think that that was going to be so successful? I mean, you raised what like twenty one thousand euros. Yes. In the first it's four the months. The equivalent of thirty two thousand Canadian dollars. Oh, you did your research, eh? 32,000 yeah. Canadian dollars in four months of selling this CD. How much are you selling this CD? Each CD is worth 1,000 euros. No. <laughs> um, yes, the CDs are for sale on my new website, uh, com, and they're 16 euros, which I think is the equivalent of 22 Canadian dollars. Yes, and it's well worth the 22 Canadian dollars or 15 euros. Um, you so so you recorded this. You you're doing it thinking of your uncle. You're thinking about supporting the Alzheimer's Society, this Alzheimer's charity. Um, 
And then all of a sudden, it's kind of got out a little out of hand, I think, and you're being asked to sing in all these other places. Um, one of the places where you got to sing was at the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I suppose from all the experiences of um, performing at different events and concerts, um, I decided I'd enter the Junior Eurovision uh, singing competition, where right. I reached to one of the finalists in the end of the competition. Okay, and you 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 wrote a song in, in for for that contest. Yeah, I wrote a song in Irish, which is the language of Ireland. Right. And um, it took me uh, about three months to write it with a good friend of mine. Okay. And um, the song went down a huge hit in the competition. That's great. And um, I was really happy with the results of it. So this 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 competition, the Eurovision Song Contest, is kind of like like the equivalent of American or Canadian Idol or or, or yes, uh, yeah, um, X a very Factor big competition across yeah. Europe. Across Europe, yeah. Um, what was the experience like? You got to meet lots of other people. Yeah, I got to meet uh, lots of celebrities who did perform in the Eurovision. Uh huh. And I got to meet loads of other kids who have amazing voices. Right. And um, I really enjoyed the experience of filming the show right. and writing the song. Uh-huh. It was an unbelievable experience. So tell me a, bit, a little bit about the song that you wrote, because uh, it's in. So is Gaelic the same as Irish? When you say Irish, or is Gaelic um, a yeah, different language? Irish or Gaelga or Osgaelga. Okay, okay, yeah. And do you, is that a language that you speak? Um, well, <laughs> I, I study as part of my uh, schooling, and we have an exam at the end of three years. Okay. Right. So um, the song, which is called Shumaglor, uh-huh. um, this means this is my voice. Right. And it's a song about my journey and my journey of writing the CD, well not writing the CD, putting okay. the CD together. Right. And all these oh, experiences good. I had throughout my life and throughout the time of the CD and of all the places and people I've met. Okay, beautiful. And it's a wonderful, a wonderful experience it has been. Yeah, and I believe that that song is available on YouTube, so... We can uh, we can put that link on our website yes, so yeah. people can go and watch it. Um, so um, so so that was uh, obviously I think I would think that that would have been a highlight of your young career. But you've said that one of the highlights for you so far was opening for a grandparents' mass in at yes, the Knock Basilica. Definitely. Why 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 a mass? Well, the grandparents' mass uh, wasn't just any ordinary mass. It was a mass. That took place in Knock Basilica, yeah. which is um, just an amazing basilica, and the attendance there on that specific day was just over 8,000. Oh, wow. And this is where I met Father Thomas. Okay, And yes. it was just such an amazing day meeting all the people, Okay. and I even met people who bought my CD, and hearing feedback from them right. was just wonderful. Oh, that sounds great. So, so for people who don't know, Father Thomas is my boss, Father Tom yes. Rosita. Um, so, so was it significant that it was a mass? I mean, what, yes, yes. What did you sing? Um, at that mass, I sang in the arms of an angel. Oh, beautiful! I sang this song because it was a mass for grandparents, uh-huh. and I just felt like it was just such a significant song I could sing on that day that grandparents and the rest of their family could hear. Right. That's amazing. And you know how Pope Francis has been talking a lot about how we need to, that young people need to be in conversation with their elders. Yes. So I think that you're already a a great witness to that, uh, to the importance of that, Um, not just because of your relationship with your uncle, but even the fact that you're 
I'm amazed that there's a grandparents' mass. I don't think I've ever heard of a grandparents' mass, but I love that idea. Um, yes. Um, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, the dream is to become an aeronautical engineer. What? <laughs> a singing... I don't know if that's going to happen yet, <laughs> but I really would love to pursue a career in singing or music or something in that industry. Right. You could sing in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, you know you know that there are these uh, three priests who are Irish, who are very yes. well-known singers, known as the priest. They've actually have been on in this program. They've been here in yes. Canada a few times. Um, maybe maybe a, a future performance of Cahal Gavin with the priests. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, that would be very fun. Okay, but I guess religious life is not necessarily in, in, in the cards for you? I don't know. Maybe. It runs in the family, maybe. It runs in the family. Yeah. Right. But aeronautical engineering sounds like a little bit more fun, maybe. That's the dream, yeah. Now, do you have any uh, more plans to put together a, another album or more composing? Are you writing more music? Yeah. Um, I'm taking off time uh, this couple of months to do my exams, which are in June. Right. And then I hope to get back to the recording studio to record my second album. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, which is I've already half uh, put together, but just to finish it off, get all the final touches on it, and hopefully be ready by autumn. Okay, good. And so we can maybe have you back on the program program around then to talk about yeah. your new album. Um, it, it, are, are, is it the same type idea? You're using c covering songs from other people, or are you having any of your own songs in the new album? Um, maybe a mixture of both. I haven't really decided yet. I've only I've put one of my songs on it, the Shuma Glor song that I wrote for the Junior Right. Region. But everything's open and everything's a possibility yet. There's still lots of time. Okay, sounds very good. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah. We're going to leave it there, Cahal, but it's been great to finally connect. We've been, we, just so that our listeners know, we've been at this for nine months or something just to try to co coordinate so we can get you on the program. So it's very yes. exciting to finally have you in the program. And I love the fact that radio allows us to do this. Um, you're sitting at home on the phone. I'm in Toronto and we can do this and we can talk to each other. So yes. that's uh, a, a great uh, blessing. Thank you so much for what you do. And Thank for, you so for much, Father Deacon Pedro. Yes, you're very welcome. Take care. <laughs> okay. Love you talking to you. Thank yes. you. Yes, okay. You can learn more about Cahal Gavin and purchase his album, as he said, at his website, cahalgavin.com. And just so that you know, it's Cahal, C-A-T-H-A-L, Gavin, G-A-V-I-N. But I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily, cahalgavin.com. All the proceeds from the sale of the album go to support the Foxford Alzheimer's Daycare Center in County Mayo, Ireland. Here now is Cahal Gavin with the title track of his album, Voice of an Angel. We're listening to Cahal Gavin with Voice of an Angel from his album of the same name. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn all about Salt and Light at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And when you're there, visit our show page, saltandlighttv.org radio. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro.